This is LBC from Global, leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. I hope your weekend has started well. I'm with you for the next couple of hours to ease you gently into your Saturday morning. In an hour's time, I'll be in conversation and I'll be telling you who I'll be talking to this week a little bit later on. Before that, I'll give you a chance to catch up on some of the best bits from the 4am spike this week. What do you mean you missed some of the programme? I expect a note from your parents or your doctor at the very least. So over the next hour, the best of Steve Allen. You'll hear what grabbed my attention over the past week from the massive stories we've all been reading and talking about to the barely Z-listers that we have to Google just to remember who they even are. Don't bother please texting, tweeting or emailing me about what you're having for breakfast, because I don't care, or what your favourite biscuit is. I couldn't care less at the best of times anyway. I'm Steve Allen and I'm with you until 7 o'clock this Saturday morning. So sit back, open your ears and enjoy the conversation. The experience I had this morning, which means I'm probably going to have to go into therapy. I've seen a fellow member of cast half naked and I've had to write it down just to relive the moment. I mean, seriously, at my time of life, I'm not used to this kind of thing. I might as well tell you what it is now. Get it over it while it's fresh in my mind. And believe you me, it is fresh in my mind. I came in and, and I thought, well, what do I fancy? I fancy a really boiling hot shower. So I pick up my little towel. My little, my little speedos, and and I wander off downstairs because we have lots of showers in this building. It's very well catered for if you want to have a shower party. And the shower that I use downstairs is full of mirrors. So, of course, there's twice the embarrassment. You know, it's all right when you're standing in front of it. It's when you take your clothes off and you suddenly realise that that fat bloke standing there, you know, is yourself. And so I wander down the stairs. I'm sort of, I'm sort of thinking happy thoughts. You know, as one does. I'd already seen the um, the producer who sets up the breakfast show, Alex. He's French, apparently. Obviously, they have different standards to the rest of us. But anyway, as you will discover. So he's sort of been there. Oh, hi. Goodbye. Uh, have a nice show. Yeah, bye bye. Or whatever. We don't say very much because I don't speak French. And um, so, you know, we sort of have this. Uh, I try and pick up odd words, you know, le chat. Noir and uh, things like that, and uh, Pont d'Avignon. We get as far as that. Anyway, so I sort of wander down the stairs. I've got my little bag with my towel in, my vite, and um, and I sort of and the the shower is on the next floor down, next to another one of our radio stations, and next to it is the biggest toilet in the entire world. I mean, you could you could have a, a party in this particular. One. Anyway, I open the door to the shower room, only to be confronted by a half naked Alex, the French one, but I don't speak French, and so he's and he's. And I wasn't sure who was more shocked, me or him. And you know when you sort of go, oh, sorry. But in fact, I clutched my chest because I thought I was having a heart attack. I wasn't, because I don't see anybody down in that part of the building at that time of the morning. It's gone two o'clock. In fact, it was, it was probably about ten past two. And I don't normally see anybody down there at all. There's, there's cameras, there's, you know, bits and pieces to sort of protect me. And I'm, nothing at all. So the, the very shock of seeing somebody in the shower room standing on one leg... On one leg, like we were obviously doing the Krypton Factor or something like that. So he's standing there on one leg with no trousers on. No trousers on. And to be honest with you, I've racked my brains. I can't remember if he had pants on. I've racked my... He says he did, but I'm not totally convinced by that. He could have been wearing knickers. I mean, I don't know. You know, whatever it was, they weren't boxer shorts. That's a fact. Because there was quite a lot of his leg on display. And I remember thinking, oh, what, what tanned legs? You know, as you do, because I couldn't think of anything. anything and so I was, uh, but I, and I was so shocked at seeing somebody. I sort of, I pushed the door shut. I thought, why didn't, why didn't he lock the door? And apparently, it turns out 
that he's uh, he's got a fear of enclosed spaces. Well, I ha- I've got a fear of enclosed spaces as well, especially if somebody else is in them. And uh, and so I sort of, I came back upstairs again, thinking I need a cup of tea and a brandy or something like that to calm me down. But instead, I booked myself into rehab because I thought it's Monday morning. I've got two interviews to do today. I don't need to have this image coming back into my mind every thirty seconds. It's almost like it's flashing in front of me. Da 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 down the stairs, turn the corner, open the door, woo! Shut the door, go back up the stairs. That's how it works. I tell you, I can't wait for tomorrow. Got to be somebody, I reckon, by the time we get to tomorrow, apparently the story goes, this is what he was telling people, because I noticed he didn't come back onto my floor. He obviously disappeared out the cheap exit. He, d- he did, but I wasn't there. I was hiding in the, in the shower, the door locked, thinking he might come back. He might come back. It's one of those, you know, you know, in all these horror films, they go, hide in the room, don't make a sound. And then you can hear them outside and then they try and open the door. You know, no, no, I shall get the shower and Beat you over the bottom with it. And apparently he cycles. What not that had to do with it, I've got no idea. But apparently he was changing into his lycra. Well, I'm sorry. Not in a shower. Because when I went back into the shower, it was bone dry. So, of course, I didn't know about the changing into the gear for cycling. I mean, he could have actually gone into the toilet next door. I mean, so now I've got this image in my mind of somebody, you know, in my shower cubicle. I don't want to make a big deal about it, but, you know, in there, standing on one leg. I don't know if he was more surprised to see me or I was more surprised to see him. I did toy with the idea of going back in about five minutes, but I thought, no, no, he probably would have locked the door by that time. But I think he has a fear of being locked in. Not at all surprised. So that was the opening to the show this morning. So I went back upstairs. I thought, read, read the paper, Stephen. Read, read, just do anything. Have a cup of tea. Have a sandwich. Calm yourself down. Because you're not... I mean, it's like being in sort of... I, I felt like I'd wandered into some sort of orgy. You know, when you go to these houses and they go, and in the top room, I think you'll find someone there willing to give you a spanking. You know, and then you open the door and there is that... You know, I don't think so. And you shut the door again. Wander back to the kitchen for some volivants and some twiglets. You know, much easier. But as I say, twiglets, again, that's reminded me of Alex again. You know, in the in the shower with, with the mirrors. It's all very bizarre, isn't it, honestly? Every day, life becomes, you know, more and more interesting. Somebody said to me once, they said, does something happen every day of your life? Yep. Your experience reminded me of what happened to me a few weeks ago, says Donnie. Whilst driving my little car in Eastbourne, a naked man rode past on a pushbike at 23.30. It was a warm night. One can only imagine the chafing on the buttocks. Oh, dear. I'm not sure about that idea. We have that, the naked bike ride, we have that in London. I told you, I was sitting there one time, up at number one London, and I was aware, in the corner of my eye, that there were people on bicycles. It wasn't until I looked sideways that I realised they were naked people on uh, on bicycles. Those lights changed three or four times before I moved the car. I just did, it was just, it's so odd to see, you just don't see things like that, do you? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I've not been on one of the new bicycles. They're the same old bicycles, just with different logos on, aren't they? I see some people, I think they've nicked them. I'm totally convinced, because they don't have that thing on the back. So I, I think people have pinched some of these bikes. Have you got a union representative at LBC? No, no, I think I'm just going to have to put up with that this morning. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. Kylie's going to ditch the country sound. As I say, we, I've racked my brains, you know. I can't remember any of Kylie's records... I should be so lucky, 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 lucky. I should be so lucky in love. Have a hold down with me. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else. I can't think of any of her other hits. Oh, that's right. I'm spinning around because I had a drink with Jethro. I'm spinning around. 
doesn't work, does it? I mean, why does she go country? Was it because was it people thought at one point country music was making a comeback? Because, of course, it isn't. The only reason country music ever made a comeback is because it wrote songs about dead people and the fact that your wife was having it off with the bloke next door and the bloke next door was very friendly with the woman two streets away. Or failing that, there was one particular song which talked about a car crash. And I think it was called There Goes My Baby. And it was a case of I got there and over there was my baby. And over there was my baby. And so it went on. I remember thinking, that's what country music's about, isn't it? The time we got round to Tammy Wynette, the D-I-V-O-R-C-E. So you had a divorce. It's because you got that stupid wig shoved on your head. That's why. And then along comes Dolly Parton with those two friends of hers, bosoms. And they sort of arrive on stage ten minutes before she does. And she sings about, you know, me and little Andy which was one of my favourite songs. She never sang it in concert. I don't remember, you know, it was such a good song. Me and Little Andy, and she, she did it in that little voice of hers. And I remember thinking, that was such a cute song. And when she did Glastonbury, I wasn't there, I watched it on the television, I'm not getting mud in a field for anybody. And, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, Dolly Parton's coming. And then we got the sound. And the sound was quite unusual. It didn't sound like she was singing, it sounded like she was miming to it. And I've got her in concert. And again... It's, I don't know how they, they've done it. I would need somebody to explain it to me who knows about those sort of things. But she never sang Me and Little Andy. But she, but she did the same line. I bet some of yous go way back when I was singing about an old Jezebel called Jolene. <laughs> Jolene, 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 Jolene. <laughs> and, and I used to go out and I used to put poke berries on my face and all the rest of it and get matches. And she came up with this baloney of how they all lived in a mountain cabin. It was all a bit sad and tragic. And um, and her mother said, you don't want to put that stuff on your face. You know, because this this other girl had it on who worked in the bank, Jolene. And and she put, her, her mother said, she ain't nothing but trash. And Dolly Parton apparently said to her mother, well, that's what I decided there and then. I'm going to be trash. And so she works at being trash. <laughs> Oh, dear. My favourite Dolly Parton bosoms were in the 70s, says George. Yes, I mean, she's, well, she's had a few, hasn't she, really? Jimmy says Kylie's new CD, Golden, is a bit country. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Only know the... I'll tell you what will be coming out soon, and I hope it is soon, but I'm sure there's one out there already, and that's uh, Chas and Dave's Greatest Hits. I love Chas and Dave. And his uh, his widow, sounds awful to say that now, uh, wrote a thing the other day thanking everybody. She said, I was married for God knows how many years to an absolutely wonderful man. And that's what uh, that's the only thing you can hope, isn't it, in life. This is LBC. Here, Steve Allen live. Every Sunday morning from five and Monday to Friday morning from four. Happy birthday to Blue Peter. As it turns 60, they've got lovely pictures of all of them. Uh, presumably they were all posed. Let's have a quick look. There's quite a few who aren't on here, actually. In fact, there's loads who aren't on here. And uh, I expect to see all of them. 60 Reasons to Love the Blue Peter. Some of the... They've had 37 hosts. Of course, you've ended up with Anthea Turner because there's nothing in her diary at all. And uh, one of them is called Andy. And that's all as far as I know. Peter Duncan looks great. And uh, Connie Huck looks great. There's a few others I haven't reckoned. Valerie Singleton always looks the same. Peter Purvis looks the same. And uh, a few other people. Janet Ellis... Which is interesting, actually. The first uh, outside broadcast was in 1989, outside Carrickfergus Castle in Northern Ireland. Uh, the famous episode in which Lulu the Elephant disgraced herself wasn't live, but it was pre-recorded. So they <laughs> decided to run it. Bit odd, isn't it? And, uh, and then Baby Daniel featured on the programme. 
because they were a bit funny about things like that, weren't they? So they went, oh, that'll be, that'll be appropriate. We'll feature a baby. So all of a sudden we had bathing baby lessons and everything. Oh, very odd. Peter Purvis is 79. He went out with Valerie Singleton, didn't he? I'm pretty, he says casting is sort of, you know, sort of his net wide. And, um, and I thought she because then, then there was the rumour she was having an affair with, I am not in love, but I'm open to persuasion. East or West. Joan Armour trading. Biddy Baxter was the long-running matriarch of Blue Peter. She took it from 62 to 88. That's the years, by the way. And uh, she's 85. Petra was their first dog. I should have done that as a quiz question, actually. And uh, also, when the dog died of distemper two days after its first and only appearance, Biddy found a similar-looking replacement without letting on to the fans that it wasn't Petra. I didn't know that. (laughs) She says later it wasn't appropriate to cause them distress. I'm convinced we did the right thing. Absolutely. Valerie Singleton was uh, dogged with rumours she was a lesbian after interviewing Valerie Singl- uh, after interviewing Joan Armour Trading. But uh, then she had slept with one of Joan's male bandmates, led to editor Biddy, refusing to send Valerie any more Christmas cards. Valerie said recently Joan must have heard of it. Why doesn't she say it's rubbish? Well, I don't know, because people are like that. Peter Duncan, uh, he joined the line-up in 1980. It was claimed he'd appeared... Naked in a porn film. It turned out the movie in question, The Life Taker, was not pornographic and Peter happily laughed it off. However, he did appear nude on stage with Linda Lusardi. The show contained full frontal nudity, but people went there thinking it was going to be Linda Lusardi. And it turned out to be Peter Duncan, who took all his clothes off. Janet Ellis was... um, She admitted she took a stash of Blue Peter badges when she left. She said, I did take a few, which I ended up giving to traffic wardens. John Leslie is rumoured to have done the same, while the original presenter, Christopher Tracy's son, used to sell them in the playground. How amazing. That's just some of the things you don't know about Blue Peter. But uh, we all sat there. And then when they did a new theme tune, uh, and it was Mike Oldfield, and we all sat there and watched that. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was a great programme. And then, you know, because we knew all the presenters... We knew who they were. Now, as I say, I don't know. You don't get any publicity for Blue Peter. I think it's basically done in a shoebox. And, uh, you know, hard to believe. when you've, Every time we had a new, new presenter, they'd bring them on. And, and then and people would go, oh, that's the new presenter. And they'd get loads of coverage in the newspapers. In happier days. Friend of mine. What were you, a Blue Peter or a Magpie person? You see, Magpie was done down the road from me at Teddington Studios with Tommy Boyd. Susan Stranks and Mick, I can't remember his name, Mick, it'll come to me in a moment. And, uh, and that was, the, that was the, the programme that I liked. I thought it was good. I did enjoy Blue, Blue Peter. So you had Susan Strank, Tony Bastable and Pete Brady were the first ones. Then it was Douglas Ray uh, who replaced Pete Brady. And then it was Mick Robertson, Jenny Hanley replaced Susan Stranks. And the lineup remained until 77 when Tommy Boyd replaced Ray. It was interesting, actually, because it was the more the more cutting edge, whereas Blue Peter was what I called safe television. Biddy Baxter. I went down there. I, I asked when I was doing the overnight programme on LBC, and I said, oh, could I interview... Um, who did I ask to interview? I asked to interview somebody. Anyway, Biddy Baxter wrote back to me and said, I'm a big fan of Night Extra, Steve, uh, but I think you'd be better off talking to so-and-so, so-and-so. So she recommended somebody else for me to go and talk to. But I was invited to watch the programme going out. And it was a live television programme. So they would sit there at the beginning, and then you'd see them all sitting on that curved settee with the cats who were eating food out of the cushion. 
That was the only way they could get them to stay there. The moment you took your hand off the cat, it went off to its basket as quick as possible. And then we had the pets, and then everybody remembers. What do you, what do you remember from Blue Peter? Because it celebrates 60 years next month. And the one thing you remember is Christmas. You remember the Chalk Farm Salvation Army Band, all the kids, and they would bring the band in. They would march up the, the ramp into the studio, which I thought was, which I thought was great, actually. And, um, and, then, and then they would do whatever it was, Hark the Herald Angel. They'd already shown you how to make the Advent crown out of coat hangers. <laughs> I never got round to making one, but I did manage to put the coat hangers together, and they did it, and they lit the first candle on the Advent crown. And that, for us, as kids... As kids, we, we thought that was, that was the bee's knees. That was the best thing. That was, that, that was the best thing. And then, of course, we had trouble, didn't we? Somebody climbed in and vandalised the garden. Percy Throwers go, oh, my God, 1983. And I believe that one of the, one of the pets is buried out in... Well, and of course, the garden doesn't exist now because they've, they've moved the programme. And that was the trouble. I didn't like things changing. You know, I just, I just liked it. You know, and then we had irritating Anthea showing us how to make Tracy Island. I'm going to happily crown her with that one, but there you go. And, uh, and it was just, it was a safe programme. I think if truth be known, and a friend of mine said exactly the same, he says loads of people claim they were magpie uh, viewers to be cool, but they were really Blue Peter kids. Because you know why? Because the parents preferred Blue Peter because it was the BBC. And, uh, and, and magpie was a bit sort of edgy. Uh, but I, I like both of them. But I preferred, you know, if I'm if I'm being honest, I preferred the professionalism of the BBC programme because they would show you how to make... And here's, here's one I made earlier. And we all learnt about sticky back plastic. We learnt that they used copy decks, but they couldn't call it copy decks. They called it rubber adhesive. And we knew that they used cornflakes boxes, but they didn't they didn't call it that. They used to have to block out the name cor- uh, cornflakes. You couldn't have anything on there that looked as though somebody was on a backhander. And yet along came can't cook, won't cook, cook will cook. And they're blatantly plugging everything under the sun. It's outrageous. They must have been on more backhanders than, you know, than even existed. But it was, it was, a, it was a good programme. I just haven't seen it for ages, and I don't even know what it does nowadays. But then they had John Noakes climbing up Nelson's column on ladders with no safety harness. I, t- I felt ill watching. Ill watching. I can't do anything like that. I'm weak, pathetic, feeble. Don't care. I always preferred Magpie, Steve, and how... And how to Blue Peter back in the day. Yeah, Blue Peter taught... I, don't, I can't remember if Magpie told you how to make things. I can't remember. I just, I just remember that Blue Peter was the one who... You know, how many people made, you know, the, um, the actual Tracy Island? I've got no idea, but lots of people sent off for it. Whether they actually made them, I don't know. It's like cookery programmes. Loads of us watch them, but we don't actually do the cooking on them. Uh, Dallas says there's an episode in The Good Life where Barbara shows Margot how she cut up an old jersey to make a tabard and Margot scoffs about her believing the DIY demos on Blue Peter. Thing was, there was so little television back then, everybody watched everything, regardless of the age. Going into the Blue Peter office, they had all these different models on the windowsills and also the ones, there was a lady who made the models and then they would show you the first one and, and then when you've done this, it looks like this. And then eventually it's going to look... That was the whole idea. Brilliant. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. Barney's feeding. That's the good news. We've just woken up this morning. The whale, the beluga, that everybody wants to go and see. Uh, because it's Barney, the beluga, whale. Da, 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 da. We had this thing the other day, didn't we? With all of the different uh, children's theme tunes. Which we had a bit of fun with, actually. But uh, it did encourage you in the wrong direction. You started writing in with your favourite theme tunes. And to be honest with you, I couldn't give a forex what your favourite theme tune is. It's my programme. I'm the one who worries about it. So, um, so Barney's uh, heading out to see, we hope, 
I mean, he's got a long way to go. I mean, how they know these things. But he was feeding the other day. On what? What is he eating? I mean, it's pitch black down there. It's dirty and horrible. I mean, unless he's eating a shopping trolley, I've got no idea what he could possibly be eating. Well, they are bothered about the whale. Am I bothered about it? I couldn't give a toss about him. He's just a whale in the Thames. All right, so you've had a whale who's had a couple of sherbets and he's gone, oh, swimmy, and all the other whales are going, come back. No, you watch, I'll get front page. Oh, no, no, swimmy, swimmy, swimmy. And then all these sad people with anoraks on go and stand there and take pictures of him. People get their little rowboats out quick, you know, and you think, it's a beluga whale, get a DVD. In fact, I'm sure you can buy a DVD called Beluga Whales. And it'll show you what, what they look like, you know, in clear crystal waters of the Antarctic. And, you know, think, not in the muddy waters of the Thames, thank you very much indeed. We get so excited, don't we? The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Russ says, have you heard the song Baby Shark? No. No, I don't, I don't really want to, actually. I don't, I don't really want to hear Baby Shark. I've decided, actually. If it's one of those really annoying things, then I don't, I don't want to hear it. I wouldn't like this baby shark thing. No, I don't. I didn't think I would actually. I was, I was decided. Oh no, definitely not. Immediately, I can tell it's dreadful. And is it is it a, a song for children? We had one years and years ago. If... Oh my Godfathers! That'll drive you mad. Parents, everyone, going. Stop it! Stop it now! So it goes. Daddy shark. Well, it's not difficult to learn, is it? I picked it up already. Daddy shark. Ah, shark. Do 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 do. Grandma shark. So there you go. I picked it up already. And then David Beckham could do. Daddy shark. Do 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 do. Grandpa shark. Do 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 do. Victoria shark. Do 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 do. Brooklyn shark. Do 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 do. You could do the entire family, couldn't you? Oh God, no! That drive. Where did that come from? Japan. Japan. We think it's Japan. It can stay there. Oh, I'm so sorry, parents. You're going off on holiday. You've got to sup with... Oh, no. We did uh, Snappy. Oh, what was the song? I can't remember what the song now was. We did a thing years and years ago where we did it on the programme and it just it just took off. And it was... Schnee, schnee, schnappy, 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 schnee, schnee, schnappy, schnappy, and it was all about a shark, actually. <laughs> was it a shark? No, crocodile. A crocodile. It was lovely. Leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. For all of those of you who've written in, and for my friend Rich as well, here it is. And a happy Christmas. as exasperating as that song that goes, I know a song that will get on your nerves. That's exactly as bad as that. You're going to be singing that all day today. You watch, by the end of the week, well, we are at the end of the week, there'll be a rap version. Cute, be playing that in Capital overnight. <laughs> you know, it's so simple when you think about it. Why are we listening to that? It's ridiculous. It's Friday morning. I don't know. Sorry, Rich. I had to do it for you. Callum is probably enjoying it as well at exactly the same time. The shark song is more Morse code than music, says a friend of mine. It's a... It's, don't you think it's a little bit repetitive in the Morse code scale of things? 
Help me now, ha, 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 help me. It could be David Beckham's song, couldn't it? Help me. It's Ru- Do you think it's Russian? Do you think it's Russian masquerading as Japanese? Oh, Salisbury clock, da, 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 da. Salisbury clock, da, 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 da. Nobody believed the Salisbury clock rubbish, did they? they were, people were talking about it yesterday on the, uh, on the radio, on the wireless. And, uh, and they were saying, is anybody, is anybody's going to believe two Russian blokes, quite clearly gay, arrive over from Russia and go trolling around Salisbury to look at the clock halfway up the church, church spire that nobody's heard of before. I lived here, I'm born here, and I've never even heard of it. I've heard of Salisbury Cathedral because I've been there. But never actually have I, uh, have I thought about looking at the clock. But they come all the way over from Russia. You know, old Putin, he must think we fell out a tree. Perhaps he's surrounded by really thick people and they buy into that. Oh, Putin say they go look for clocks. Obviously, they look for clock. And that's it. Uh, this is uh, Schnappy, Das Klein Crocodile. We used to play it all the time. I know it. In fact, I know it better than anybody listening. Have you got it? It's, this is, we used to play this on LBC because Alan used to come in and we found this song and Alan used to laugh all the way through it because uh, it's done in, in German. It was, uh, it's supposedly a little kid singing it and, and it, it has a chorus, okay? The chorus goes something like Schnee, Schnee, Schnappy. I mean, try and, try and pick it up as you go along. Schnappy, Schnappy, Schnappy. Schnee, Schnee, Schnappy, this Klein Crocodile, okay? Which, and it's, that's, it, that's all it's about. The crocodile is called Schnappy, okay? And it's a kid's song and it was very popular and it really, you think the other one was annoying. This, I mean, if we're doing a compilation of annoying songs, this one was the one that took the biscuit. Ich bin Schnappi, das kleine Krokodil. Komm aus Ägypten, das liegt direkt an mir. Zuerst lag ich in einem Ei. Dann schnie, schnapp, schnapp ich mich frei. Ready, here we go. Schnie, schnapp, schnappi, 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 schnapp. Schnie, schnapp, schnappi, 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 schnapp. Then you get a little break here. We can do a little dance and all the rest of it. And then it goes back into... It's the, it's the chorus, though, that always gets me every time. It's so cute, really. But I'll tell you, after you've heard it three times, you'll be, you'll be literally treading on eggshells. And so there's this crocodile. They, they try and sell crocodiles as being kind of nice. Chorus? old the person was who was singing it but I always imagine that they're probably about six or seven years old and uh, it's a lovely little song so it's Schnappy Desclined Crocodile and uh, my nieces Steve who used to live in Holland who live in Holland used to sing it when they were young and it's very annoying actually when we first heard we, we would just die laughing we, we played it and we died laughing because over the years there have been lots of songs in this country but for some reason it's the ones that emanate from overseas <laughs> which are the ones that make me laugh the most and I like it uh, Steve, now we know, says Ron, where Kylie got her I'm So Lucky Lucky tune from. Yeah, I'm so lucky. Yeah, it could be. Could be. That's very clever. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. How do you give a golf club a new youthful image? And the answer is... I don't think you can. It's because young people turn up to golf clubs, and I don't know what age, um, you know, is, is classed as young now. I know if you, if you go down to Essex, that's actually quite popular. A lot of Essex boys like playing golf, and it's a, it's a good thing to do. Well, well, they always think it's a good thing to do. Never interested me in the slightest. But if, if you go to a normal golf club, it's full of old people sitting around because it, it becomes a little bit... 
um, a little bit elite. Do you know what I mean? It's it's the sort of place you go to. You go, oh, uh, do, do you play golf? Uh, your handicap? And I would go, no, I'm able-bodied, thank you. Because I've got no idea what they're talking about half the time. And I think it just becomes... And then some of them become... Become sort of like, you know, it's it's the bar. It's not actually... Play- is it raining? I think it rained last Tuesday. Are you playing today? No. What sort of house do you live in? Is it your own? OK. And, and worth how much? 600,000. OK. Much of a mortgage on it? Where do you go on holiday? OK, you, you can join our club. Because that's what it is, isn't it? That, that's how golf is. It's it's a bit elitist. It doesn't happen round my way. It makes no difference. I mean, I did knock the blade off the windmill once, and that was about as far as it went. But uh, you have to sort of... its They're not going to make it appeal to younger people. You know, you're only going to make it appeal to younger people if older people aren't there, because younger people want to talk to younger people. That's the way it is. They probably think it's some sort of pickup. Stayed up till midnight watching Tiger Woods complete his comeback by winning the FedEx playoffs. Whatever you think of the guy to come back from all his mental health problems, four major back surgeries, that'll be all the women he slept with, not being able to swing a golf club to winning a tournament. You have to admire the man. What for? Golf is the most boring thing under the sun. It is so dull, dull, blooming dull. What is appealing about golf? It's only one up from crazy golf. I was better getting it through the windmill and then going down the little thing like that. Now you just have to hit it from here to here. And the purpose is what? Does that help world poverty? Does it help the world banking crisis? Does it help us trying to, you know, get rid of more ISIS members? No, it's just getting the ball from here to there, into a little tiny hole. Make the hole bigger. And then it will go in. You know, and they go, oh, and the crowd who stand there, they're like sheep. Seriously. They stand there. The American fans are the words, get it in the hole, get it in the hole. All the rest of it. I'm going, well, make the hole bigger. Dig a crater. You know, golf, says Peter, is as boring as the people who play it. It is true. It is absolutely true. It's just so tedious. But of course, you know, I'm not watching the Ryder Cup. Listen, I don't even watch tennis. I don't even watch tennis. I'm not interested in tennis, golf, synchronised swimming. Hello? Who's into that one? There's all these bizarre things. Bowls. Oh, godfathers. But um, somebody was telling me the other day, I mean, I, I live quite near Richmond Golf Club. Would I be interested in joining? Of course I wouldn't be. Of course I wouldn't be. What, do I want to walk about in a sort of pair of, you know, Farrah trousers? And sort of a, and a, and a, and a checkered sort of jumper or something. No, 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 no. I'd rather sit here. Rather sit here. Uh, even if you don't like tennis, I won't even ask about cricket, says Peter. What for? I know people who watch cricket. I seriously do. I mean, they, they, they've all got problems. Seriously, they need a lot of help in rehab and stuff like that. So uh, I don't, um, I, I'm not interested in anything like that. I, mean, I just don't get it. But there again, they probably don't get magic or, you know, macrame fruit baskets and things like that. They probably don't understand that kind of thing. Uh, Simon says, was it not Churchill who said golf is a good walk ruined? Yes. The golf club is seeking a new youthful image. That was the reason I started the golf club story. They're seeking a youthful image because they've got the image of a lot of old pensioners. And, you know, Bruce Forsyth used to play golf. I bet... um, In fact, there's probably loads of Americans who play golf. They have sort of special tournaments, don't they? Tournaments for... The sort of people who like, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, playing against uh, Sheerness Golf Club today for West Malling Vets. The course is below sea level. And you can see larger ships pale, sail past above you. I quite like that, actually. Make a stand. Steve, it wasn't Churchill who said golf ruined a good walk. It was Mark Twain. Was it? Whatever. <laughs> the best of Steve Allen on LBC.
Courtney Act, with a new uh, dating show to help bisexuals get together. I mean, surely if you're bisexual, it can't be that blooming difficult. You've sort of narrowed it down a little bit. I'll sleep with either men or women. OK, bye. No, 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 just greedy. And uh, so going out there, so they're going to do it on the television. I mean, well, that's going to work. Very odd, isn't it? I turned on to that programme the other day, which is the... I can't remember what it's called. The people in the tubes who've got no clothes on. And Naked Attraction. I mean, seriously, they managed to find five unattractive gay guys the other day. I mean, to be honest, why in a million years you'd want to go on the television, take all your clothes off, stand in a tube, willing your willy looks bigger by the minute, you know, and thinking, oh, God, the tube's going to get up and going to look really stupid. And so that's what they do. And I sat there watching it this morning, thinking, this is really, but this is the oddest programme I've ever seen. People standing there who want to, you know, the whole idea about attraction is that it's supposed to be a surprise. Now you've shown everybody. No surprise there, ladies and gentlemen. This is LBC. Here, Steve Allen live. Every Sunday morning from five and Monday to Friday morning from four. Polly Hudson today talking about um, why we don't like Scarlet Moffat anymore. And she can't work out why we don't like Scarlet Moffat. I thought it would be quite easy to work that one out. Scarlet Moffat started off, she was the antithet... Anyway, she was. And uh, she got cream for it, and it was much better after it healed. Anyway, so she then goes on the television. She was using foul language at an early age, and she was she was the tubby girl on the telly. But nobody really cared. They're going, isn't she great? And I'm going, I couldn't give a stuff. Just people sitting there watching television on a DVD with a, with a film crew sitting in there filming them. Most of it's fake and rubbish anyway. And uh, they've all had their issues, as we know, with... Uh, Let's just say alcohol in some of the cases. Anyway, so Scarlett Moffat goes on there. Then they then they sort of take her. They go, she's going to be a big star. And that's where it all ends in, in disaster. So she goes on to Saturday night, take away. And then somebody goes, I know how we can make lots of money. Let's make a DVD where you've lost weight. And so they send her away, I think, to Switzerland, where for three weeks she's on a starvation diet. So nothing that you and I could ever achieve in a million years. Seriously, it's just, it's devised you know, to make you see how thin you can go if they deprive you of food and make you do exercise. So she's, you know, completely like at the end of her tether. And she comes back and here is this stick insect. She makes Victoria Beckham look obese. And all of a sudden she's doing the round. Yeah, I did this and I did that. And it turns out it was just a load of old cobblers. It was made up. She was fooling you. She was cheating you by pretending that she'd lost weight, you know, doing diet and exercise. Yeah, starvation diet. In Switzerland, boot camp. If you can afford to go there, fantastic. And so consequently, she was thin, she went everywhere, and then all of a sudden, she decided she'd had enough of this eating rabbit food, and so she went back to normal food, and lo and behold, (coughs) she exploded and came back three times the size she was first time round. But she doesn't care. So that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's great. If you don't care, then why why would you worry about it? Why would you worry about it? It doesn't make a difference if somebody says, you're, somebody says to me, you're fat, and I go, yeah, and you're ugly, but I can lose weight. You know, that's, that's the way it works. Always come up with something a little bit quicker than they could because they're generally a bit simple. So it doesn't make any difference if she's happier being fat, but the public feel cheated. They forked out like 20 quid or whatever it was for this DVD, whereas in fact she'd been spirited away to another country to try and lose it with people who go, this is what we do. So that's why, come Christmas... Come, well, we should be seeing any time soon, actually, October, November. Normally October, November, you'll see some overweight celebrity in a park wearing a crop top, so their guts hanging over the top of their knickers. And they'll be with a trainer and they go, oh, look, we managed to, to just hazard 
you know, as we were walking through the park, oh, look, there is so-and-so, so-and-so. You can always guarantee it'll be in the papers before Christmas. Look how fat they and bloated they are. Do you know there are some celebrities who will cheat you that much that they will eat loads and loads so they can then lose loads and loads. So they put on fake weight to take off real weight, Okay. And it's just designed to part you from your money. It's a right load of old rubbish. Right load of old rubbish. So the Steve Allen fitness tape this year. OK, if you'd like to all turn up in the park very near me in a thong. OK, and then we'll make sure we get somebody there. We can all be sort of fat together. And that'll be quite nice. Because, listen, it can't be... If Scarlett Moffat can shift a few of these things, that's fine. Uh, Steve, I can never understand what Scarlett is saying. Oh, I can understand. It's just it's foul mouth, isn't it? No! Okay, I know that you're all excited, but can we just hold on a little bit, please? I'm keeping my eyeballs out on you, mate. Right. That, that was Scarlett, apparently. This, this was just prior to her ballooning to about four times that size, where she was obviously being... I don't know, actually. Why do we insist on taking people? She was doing, what, promotional? And, and what they do is they sort of... They have a, an army of people who sort of work on her makeup and everything else. Unfortunately, she's only about two foot tall which doesn't really help. And all they did was sit in a room and sort of... A few of them made it from there, a few of them didn't make it, and some of them I couldn't care less whether they made it or didn't make it. But, you know, why do we go... Oh, aren't all Northerners funny? No, they're not. They're absolutely not. It's very sweet that they make a contribution to the economy. But, frankly, we sort of go, oh, Northern people are funny people, aren't they? And chips. Should have chips and a curry? Oh, great. You know, it's not like that. Colleen Nolan was the worst, says David, for a so-called fitness DVD. Crash diet, and then it was released. She was back on the pies again. I know, you could see it. Well, you can't, because she's not on television or touring. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. Did I mention David Beckham's funny hair? You wait till you see it in the paper today. And the papers are going, is it a transplant? If it is, it's a very cheap-looking one. And if it's a colour job, it looks even... It just looks ridiculous, I'm sorry, because it's, it's not him... It's not him. They seem to have moved it forward as well. He seems to be growing hair on a place where it didn't grow before. Which, of course, David makes people suggest that it's a toop. Or you've had a transplant or something like that. Either way, you know, he's, he's got the money. He probably said to Vic, I've got to have my hair done. And she said, what are you doing, Dave? Oh, hair done. OK, wh- where are you having that done? Hong Kong. Right. But well, why are you going there? Get it for free. OK, right. And then, will you be promoting the... Uh... Yes. OK, right. So, and, and Vic needs the money. Vic needs the money. She does need the money. I and mean, it's all, it's all, it's not going as well as it could be, actually, for Vic. Because I've never seen, I know she's had successful fashion shows because they, they sort of, but there was no celebrities at the other thing. I mean, it's like, you know, you might as well bring out Lizzie Cundy and go, oh, look, Lizzie Cundy's here. She can't afford that sort of stuff. She really can't. Losing £4,000 a day. I mean, that's a lot of money to lose as a company. You know, but if they didn't happen to sort of shove themselves into the limelight all the time, you know. He's an old man with an old face, very old face, and now he's got this funny bit of hair stuck on his head. Because September the 6th, you know, and that's, that's 19 days ago, he's managed to grow this hair. I mean, it could be possible, but to be honest with you, this has got thickeners on. It's either thickeners or it's a hair transplant. Either way, he looks ridiculous. And it looks bad enough in pictures, which means in real life it's going to look even worse. So when, it, when he goes out later on today, everybody's going to be looking at their going, syrup, Dave, syrup. Because that's what it looks like. He obviously, does, he's so vain. You know, he went, oh, Dave, your hair's dropping out. Oh, dropping out. Oh, I can't believe it. I know. It's all that worry. Isn't it? Victoria took my money. Yes, we know, dear. Does that mean, it hurt? Oh, right. Did she take a lot? M- loads. 
loads. I wanted to buy Haribo, but she took all the money. And, and then my hair started falling out. Oh, right. So, is that, you know, but it looks all right now, does it? Does it? Costs a lot of money. Victoria, Victoria gets, she goes to Halfords and she gets a can of, it's car spray. And it's for wheels. And, and then she just goes, oh, and, my, and then my hair like this. Oh, right. So do you like it? I like it. Oh, right, you're not happy. Oh, I look silly. But she said it makes me look good. Oh, right. So what, what, what happened to it today? Victoria wasn't there. Harper did it. It was awful. Poor soul. Poor soul. But never mind, that's the way we're all going to laugh. In fact, he gets mentioned in the Daily Star. He says, David Beckham suddenly has darker hair. They've always said he has looks to die for. D-Y-E, the old ones are the best. Thank you very much indeed. Nicola says, I've just looked at David Beckham's hair. It looks painted on. It's very dark. I know, he's grey. He's got a grey beard. His hair would be exactly the same. It filters down. That's how it goes. But uh, he's not saying it. He just looks ridiculous. Seriously, it looks, it looks silly. It's like Michael Fabricant's hair, which apparently he, he's not saying whether it's a wig or... He's a, well, it's a wig, isn't it? Anybody can see that. Nobody grows hair like that. It looks ridiculous. It's like Elton John's is a dead hamster. That's what it is. You can see even Frank Sinatra, with all the money in the world, still ended up with like something that looked like a shaved down toilet brush on the top of his head. You know, once your hair starts going, it goes. And when you pull it back at the sides, then you can see if you start receding, that's it. That's it. Once it starts going, it then joins up at the top. Oh, it's terrible. And uh, Ulrika says, if you talk about Beckham and Elton's hair, please mention Trump's head. There's a conversation piece. No, but the trouble is there isn't, is there? You know, admittedly, they've all got one thing in common. They all have terrible tempers. David Beckham uses foul language because he didn't get his knighthood. We saw that, using every word under the sun. Obviously not the happy-go-lucking David Beckham. Obviously the let's have a little bit of a tantrum. Elton, we know, is famous for tantrums. And Trump is famous for tantrums. Perhaps they go hand in hand. Perhaps they think that God dealt them a bad hand. Where's my hair gone? I'm Elton John. Well, it went... And the royals are a bit like that, because Edward's hair has gone, William's hair's gone, Harry's hair is going. At the moment, he's looking like sort of ginger candy floss. But uh, as I say, he doesn't need to worry, because she's obviously... She can't believe her luck. We live, we live in this place? Oh, my God. Do we, we, do we own it? Well, you don't, dear. No, he does. It's owned by the family. <laughs> There's no chance you'll walk away with very much from this one. Uh, somebody says, talking of balding, scientists say they can reverse hair loss by making scalp... Uh, smell sandalwood. You'll never rever- listen. The only way you can reverse hair loss: castration. Okay, bit dramatic, but that's the way it goes. Uh, Mickey Flanagan talking about Americans not understanding him, taking the Mickey out of people with wigs. Really funny, says George. Yeah, I mean, it's why don't I, I, I see people with sort of comb overs and all sorts of things, and I often think, I've often thought to myself, you know, why would you ever want to do that? When you look at David Beckham's hair, you'll see. You can go online and see David Beckham's funny hair. It just looks ridiculous because he's an old man with very young hair on his head. Whether it's his or whether it's grown in a test tube or it's grown on the back of a yak, I've got no idea. So what they've done, they haven't done it long because that would just look ridiculous. So it looks even more ridiculous. They've done it short and it's in this dark colour. And it's and it just doesn't look right. It looks odd, very odd. You feel like if you run your hands through it, it'll all come off in your fingers. David Beckham's hair is sprayed on hair paint. Gives the illusion of fuller head of hair. Well, the experts have said not. The experts have said that it's a, a thickening shampoo, which means that every time he washes his hair, it goes back to nothing. Anish says, David Beckham was voted the most sexiest man in the world multiple times. Not with no hair, he's not. 
Not with no hair, he's not. He's now voted the most bald man in the universe with an old face. And he obviously looked at it and somebody went, have you thought about a transplant or, you know, thickening shampoo? That's got to be some thickening shampoo, I'm telling you. It really has. It's got its work cut out on his head. But as I say, by the time you've all got used to it, we've all had a good old laugh. David, of course, will be totally oblivious. And then he'll start having extensions put on to pretend it's growing. A bit like Terry Wogan. You're quite right, Steve. Dave B looks like Beaker from The Muppets, says Jerry. Looks ridiculous. It doesn't suit him because he's he's grey. He's got it in his beard and yet doesn't seem to have it in his hair. Obviously need to get the other can out, don't they? The one that's got white wall tyres, which would be easier. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Sunday from 5am.